The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Tuesday, November 13th, 2018, season 14, episode number 79. Welcome to another edition of The Break. Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star, talking Cowboys football with you for the next 45 minutes. A lot that we want to hit today. It's Big Picture Tuesday. Uh, but in addition to all the things we're going to talk about, I want to make sure that uh, we try to get some phone calls today. I want to hear from the fans. We haven't had a chance to talk to them in a while. So guys, give us a call. The number is 888-855-2297. Again, it is 888-855-2297. How's everybody feeling? Everyone's doing great. We good? Can you awesome. speak for me now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You might have to. Dave, speak for me. I, 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 I got the sniffles, but other than that, I'm okay. You too. I got that too. It's, I mean, too. it's been coming and going. That makes the, me nervous. The wet, No, the weather fluctuates. Like anytime there's a temperature drop of more than like five degrees or or a raise, whatever, I just. Well, there's been plenty of that. It messes with me. Not hey, that anybody cares. It's freezing today. Everyone listening. Yeah. Everyone listening right now is Jay Cutler. They don't care. <laughs> don't, don't care. Nobody, hey, I'm don't here. Care. I'm here. You know, nobody feels sorry for That's you. True. Like Jason Garrett says, right. I'm here. So here's what we're going to go. talk, talk about today. We got a few things. I want to first talk about uh, where the Cowboys stand in the NFC East. I have a couple questions for you around that uh, with regards to your the likelihood of certain things happening here over the next few weeks. Um, then I want to get into some statistics. I was looking at some different rate rankings where the Cowboys fall in particular categories, some individual, some team. Um, and I want to get your feedback on some of these and how relevant they are to what we're seeing on the field. But let's start first with the division. Right now, the Cowboys are in second place. Redskins are at 6-3, and three, leading the division, um, have beaten the Cowboys head-to-head. Cowboys do get a chance to, to right that wrong here on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, but the Cowboys are in second place at 4-5. and five. Philly is at 4-5 and five as well. Um, and then you have the Giants who get a win last night at 2-7. and seven. Um, over the next few weeks, there's going to be a lot that's going to happen because there's going to be some teams playing each other within the division. There are also going to be some really big games where teams have to play very good teams outside the division. Washington next week plays Houston. Um, Dallas plays at Atlanta. Philadelphia plays at New Orleans. All three of those games in their own different ways uh, will be tough games. But here's what I want to do. I'm going to tell you the next three games uh, for each of these teams, and I want you to tell me the likelihood um, first of all, that Dallas wins its next three. And we're going to do this on a scale of one to five, five being the most likely that they win two of the next three and one being the least that they'll win two I of the next three. I hate this. Why? Because we do a talk show and I, on talk shows, people want to hear your opinion. I, on I, obviously, and I'm happy to give my opinion, but like what we just, we just came off a stretch where they lost to a mediocre team at home and then beat the reigning champs on the road. So like whatever I say is going to be wrong, probably. But go ahead. Not to steal your thunder. Great. Great. Awesome. My bad. There's, I don't really understand it just yet because there's a lot and there's like all three teams in the division next three games, one to five. When, I, I don't know yet, but let's, just, let's figure it out. Let's, let's, here we go. Let's predict. Here we go. Let's, let's, let's right. start over. Okay, this sounds great. This is Eric. awesome. Let's do it. This is awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Dallas, next three games. They're playing at Atlanta. They're playing home against Washington. They're playing home against New Orleans. What's the likelihood in your mind that they win two of the next three? Um... Two. Two. Five being definitely. Five being the most, two. one being the least. I'm going to win two out of three. That uh, means three out of four, and that's consistency we've not seen out of this team. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, two sounds good. 
Yeah. If you broke them down by games, would you change your opinion? Like if you had a, did a matchup and you said, likely that they win against Atlanta. Yeah, I don't. I put that somewhere between thirty and fifty percent. Yeah, still not not great. You no. still don't think there's a highly high. And that like I'm not, obviously I mean, look. Atlanta. I I you know you put a lot of work into planning these shows, and I admire that. And I wasn't trying to crap on your idea, but like that is the whole. That's what I led off with yesterday after the game. Is like I don't know what to do with this team, and so like it's a joke, but I sort of believe it is like. Going on the road and beating Philly impressively to me suggests that they'll probably lose to Atlanta. Right. Like that's just you what know, we've come to expect from this team through ten weeks. I was telling Dave this after the show yesterday. A lot of tweets to me were like, "Man, if they just would have beaten Washington or beaten the Titans, they beaten the Titans. Look, look where they would be." That's not true because I don't think they beat Philly. If you beat the Titans, that's not what this team is. And that's why everyone's frustrated because this team always stays in that. They don't really get hot that one year. They did with Dak and Zeke as rookies. Most of the time though, they don't. So for them to build on that and beat Atlanta, that sounds great, but will they come back and beat Washington in four days? If they, if they beat Atlanta, they're going to beat Washington. That's just uh, irrational confidence Wait, if they on my beat part. Atlanta or if they lose to Atlanta if they beat Atlanta like if then they're going to beat Washington if they if I, I will I will believe at least to a degree like if they can win back-to-back road games against pretty good teams and I don't care what the records say Philly and Atlanta both have a lot of talent like if they can win those two games even with the short turnaround on Thanksgiving like you can come home and play Washington at home and beat but them. doesn't that fly in the face of what you were just saying from a standpoint of consistency I that's I don't think they're going to beat Atlanta like that's but if they do if they prove me wrong again then you kind of have to believe that that's some sort of late season momentum don't you especially if they play well Not necessarily because it could just be that same pattern they did lose two there and then they come back and win two and then they right. get back to their same pattern and, of back and, and forth and right? that's why this team and this season is so frustrating um well the the thing about it is with your your question of winning two out of three is can they win the next two? I don't think anyone right now would would say that the Cowboys or really anybody will beat the Saints. I mean, that uh, yes, they can win, but we know that the Saints it'll be half a home crowd for them, and it, they're just playing so well. And and I don't think this defense will hold up against that. The defense is pretty good. But and I I think conventional wisdom says that. I do think it's interesting though to note, and you and I talked about this yesterday. We were talking to your office about just yeah. kind of how NFL seasons play out. And we've seen this Cowboys teams in situations like that where they go up against the behemoth and nobody expects that they can win and somehow they find a way to do it. And in this instance, this sets up the right kind of paradigm, in my opinion, for that. You've got a Thanksgiving Day game. You've got a short week. um, You've got the Cowboys at home. Maybe that maybe having half of a crowd at home that's not their own crowd. Maybe that inspires them in a way. I, you know, there there are a lot of factors no. there that could, could create an upset type environment. That's it's the NFL, and that's the Cowboys too. And like, it's crazy when you think about it. Maybe I've just been around this team too long, but noon game on the road against an Atlanta team that has struggled at times. They just got rocked by the Browns. Like, they're certainly not world beaters. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, how are they going to win this I know, game? I'm the same way. And, and then <laughs> play the Saints at home. And I'm like, yeah, they could win that game. It's prime time. <laughs> you, you get up for the big game. I mean, stuff like that happens all the time. And that's unless you're, you know, unless you're fortunate enough to be covering one of the three or four teams that is truly kicking butt this year. That's just the reality of the NFL. Okay, so then you guys said the Cowboys have been 
consistently inconsistent. Yes. Look at the Washington Redskins, Redskins who are six and three. What do you think is the likelihood that they go that they win two of their next three? Um, they've got at Houston. I'm sorry, they're playing this week at home against Houston, then at Dallas, then at Philadelphia. I think this this is a huge week, and it goes God, back Houston. to it just across the league. The Eagles, I mean, across the division. Excuse me. The Eagles have the Saints in the Superdome, and the Redskins are playing the Texans, who are as hot as anybody in the league right now. They won six in a row. So, if the Cowboys can find a way to beat uh, Atlanta, you're talking about making some serious hay because one of these somebody's losing. One yeah. either either the Eagles or the Redskins or both are probably losing this week. So this is big, and I'm kind of dis- dismissing the Eagles. Are you sort of? What? Yeah, because I'm not ready to do that. Me I, either. I, I would dismiss Washington before I dismiss the Eagles. They their schedule just seems like it, it's like the, they're four and five right now, and they still have tougher games to play. Yeah, I you just want to know the next five. Yeah, next five at New Orleans, then home against the Giants, home against Washington, at Dallas, and at the Rams. I mean, now three of those are against division teams, right? And you can usually throw true. the records you out. You can come back. Yeah. In the, okay, I, I just I don't think I mean, the Rams are tough. New Orleans tough, right? Yeah. But I can't beyond that. I'm 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 a not not quite as big as my crush on Aaron Rodgers, but I'm a big believer that Carson Wentz is very good, and as long as they have him, I can't rule them out as yeah being part of the race. I, I, Washington, if they if they win this game this week, if the Redskins win, I mean at home, they're going to be in good shape. Now I know I've said a couple times I don't think they're going to run away with anything. I really don't. I don't think they're very. I don't think they're that good. Um, but if they keep stacking wins like that and beating, you know, a team the Cowboys couldn't beat in Houston, and you know, and then it's going to be interesting what happens when Philly plays Washington twice. But um, you know, the, I mean, of course. the Sounding like Jason Garrett. I mean, the Cowboys can only control what they control here. They're just trying to have a good Tuesday. And, um, but, you know, you've got to, I don't know if this is a must win, but it's up there as well because the Saints game is sitting right there and you've got to beat Washington. You know that. So when are you going to make, when are you going to make up some ground? I think it starts this week against, like you said, a team that got rocked by Cleveland. That's who you need to beat. After you saw, go ahead. But I'll say this, and we talk about that that game. I went and did some research just now. You know, last year's massacre game that changed the tide for both teams. You know how similar things are going into this game? I mean, first of all, that was played on November 11th. This will be November 18th. Very similar in, in the time of you know of during the season. They were four and uh, or they were five and or four and four, and and the Cowboys were five and three. And so both after that game, they both went to five and four. I mean, so they're kind of like right there in terms of where things are. And then we know what happened. And then that kind of helped Atlanta go. And they went two rounds deep. And, you know, what happened to the Cowboys. Wouldn't so it just be poetic justice, to quote Kendrick Lamar, if uh, if this game got the Cowboys on track? Like, I, you know, like I got to take them a little more seriously if they can go win this game. If they do, it would be the polar opposite of what happened last year. Although, it's if that happens, if that happens, Taco be... Charlton will get six sacks. First-round pick, <laughs> hasn't really done what we think. He comes back this week, whatever, going up against who, who knows. Awesome. And then he gets six sacks. That'd yeah, but the thing about it is, it, if that happens, last week will be the week that we look at to say it turned the tide because yeah. that was the game that they first would have shown 
well, maybe they are going to be yeah. able to do this. And won. this would only be a continuation of that. That's what they haven't been able to do so so far, though, this year, is get on that kind of roll where they turn one win into two and into three and into four. To go back to the start of the segment, I think, if anything, what's going to what's gonna shake this whole thing up, and you mentioned it, is just the number of division games. So the Eagles play everybody in the division in a, like a three-week stretch, yeah, right? New they York, just, Washington, and Dallas. Yeah, and, the, and so the Cowboys just played the Eagles, and they have Washington, and then it's not on the immediate horizon, but another Eagles game mm-hmm. is coming up pretty soon, too. Yep. And who the Redskins have? Redskins have, have Dallas, Dallas on, Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving, obviously. And then they have Philly the week after that, and then New York after that. So, so they got three in a row as I think well. we just listed like six division games. Divisions are going to get decided how, here in the next four weeks. How many division games are there Probably. in a season? Three times six? six. 18? So there's 18 division games. Yeah. We're going to play like a third of them in a three-week stretch. Yeah, so this thing is going to sort itself out. Like, by the by the time... By the time the Cowboys play the Eagles again, December 9th, I think, yep. it's going to be I think we will, it's going to We will look, have a good idea. It's going to look really clear. Yeah. We'll and have the, a good the idea. I mean, I know that that sounds far away. It's really not. Like, and that's the other thing too. It's like these games are going to start coming quick cuz what? Cowboys play 3 in 11 days and Coming like the sun's 5 over yeah. 20. Yeah. It's yeah. going to get wild here in the next 3 weeks. All right, let's take our first break when we come back. I want to talk a little bit about some statistics that I noticed, uh, especially one uh Leighton Vanderesh uh, interesting to me where he ranks in the NFL right now when it comes to tackles and when it comes to solo tackles. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. If you're like me and you love... I mean, if you have a... thing, then cutting the cord is scary. But then I found out I could switch to DirecTV now and still get the live sports I love. No satellite needed, no bulky hardware, no annual contract, just... Get the live sports you love. Try DirecTV now for $10 a month for three months. Visit DirecTVnow.com. DirecTV Now. More for your thing. That's our thing. Use code REALDEAL. Limited time. Price for a little, little package. After three months, we use monthly at full price. Currently minimum $40 unless canceled. Prices may change. New subscribers only. Cancel any time. Content varies by package and may be limited. Restrictions apply. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to Talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel, Will McClay, and of course with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Playmaker, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The Playmaker includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm and a Cowboys can cooler. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word COWBOYS. The Jack Black Playmaker, 10 bucks, free shipping. While a player could look good on paper, it's when he's out on the field that you really find out what he's made of. That's why the Cowboys rely on more than just stats and scouting reports when building their team. When picking a tractor, it's why you should rely on more than just specs and features. You've got to take it out and put it to the test. The Cowboys did when they named John Deere their official tractor. Experience one for yourself. Visit myjohndeeredealer.com slash football. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about some of the statistics and where the Cowboys rank in some areas, both individually um, and as a team. Leighton Vander Esch, uh, rookie linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, right now is ranked 10th in the NFL in tackles. 
that in itself is a huge feat for a rookie linebacker. But here was the more important thing, and the part that was way more startling to me. He's actually ranked second. He's tied for second in the league in solo tackles with 61. Um, That, to me, is amazing that a rookie linebacker would have 61 solo tackles, and it would rank him second among his peers in the NFL. You think we're looking at a Pro Bowl year for Leighton Vanderesh? Who's first? Just FYI. You know, oh, I'm, if you don't have it, it's not a big I deal. I just thought me. you might. I didn't have it in front of me. A Pro Bowl year? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because I, I think that, you know, Jalen Smith will probably get some Pro Bowl um, consideration. consideration there, uh, maybe ahead of him. So I don't know if, you know, you can both of them, and they might cancel each other out. I, I don't know how that will go. But, um, you know, I was actually thinking just the other day about defensive rookie of the year, you know, for him, possibility Possibly. there. And I don't I don't really know some of the other rookies that are tearing it up. I mean Well you had the uh, the safety out there in San Diego, Derwin James. The NFL's tackles leader is also a rookie. Dar- oh really? Darius Leonard's killing it oh, for, for the Colts. Yeah. But think about this. Think about this for a second. Mm-hmm. Layton wasn't playing a whole time. I mean, he no. was not playing every down at the beginning Actually, of the season. I, I think this applies to his Pro Bowl status and his uh, defensive rookie of the year status, which I said a month ago. I was like, awesome for him. He's playing well. I really don't think he's got a shot at rookie of the year because you need a couple things. Like, you need eyeballs and you need stuff like interceptions. Big plays you and big games. Big plays. Yeah. Well, he got the pick mm-hmm. and he had his best game of the year. On Sunday night, yep. when the whole world was watching, and which, Andy had probably the game-changing play there, yep. that won the game. I really and again, you know, those things matter. We saw it with Dexter Coakley, yep. if you remember back then. I am not trying to slight him. I think the world of how he's playing, but the reality of the situation is Pro Bowl and oftentimes like end of year award things like that are their popularity contests. Like yeah. you, people have to know your name because people who are watching all twenty-two aren't doing the voting. So. And, the thing about linebackers in the Pro Bowl, it, linebackers really get screwed inside linebackers because there's really there's one spot for you because it, to, to start because they play four three. The outside you could maybe say outside linebackers, but those guys you're going up against pass rushers, pass yeah. rushers on three four teams that have sacks all these sacks. and they got the names. And so yeah. it's really tough. Pro Bowl is going to be really tough for any of those guys because they're inside linebackers. And Luke Keekley, I think, is still sitting over there in Carolina, and he's the name. Keekley, Wagner. Used to be forever. You couldn't get in there because Erlacher was there, and AJ Hawk was good, and Willis was good, and you couldn't even get in there. So now you got Keekley, your name, and some others. But having having said that, though, Jalen Smith and and Vanderesh both will have a shot. They keep the role going, like yeah. keep playing well, and you're going to have a shot because. The Cowboys fan base knows who you are, and yep. that matters. That matters. That always matters. matters. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, again, now he is now in the consciousness of people who don't follow the Cowboys closely, and that matters too. Mm-hmm. So get another pick or two, keep having these 8, 9, 10, 13 tackle games. He'll at least be in the conversation, and I won't be surprised at all if him and Jalen both make it. Now, maybe that's because somebody backed out with an injury or somebody made the Super Bowl, but it smells like alternates to me. Yeah. Which is good because that, like that's, right? that that's still a Pro Bowl, right? That's still a Pro Bowl. If we, well, not really. 
it doesn't count again as their as them. If you the Pro make Bowl, it, you, you make it. Yeah, I'm saying you get in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah, yeah. we're saying the same thing yeah. in different ways because you're saying an alternate that doesn't get the call. Yeah. I'm saying an alternate that does get the yeah. call. But yeah, right. Because the Cowboys have all you won't even kept... find out if it's alternate. Yeah, we yeah. we we somehow found out a few years ago when Lyle Collins was an alternate as a rookie yeah. uh, at guard, um, but he never got the call. He, he never call. he never got yeah. the call. So so I'm I mean not to change the topic drastically, but I mean Zach I would guess is a Pro Bowl lock. Yes. You can't bet against Tyron. Tyron once you get that name recognition. Like I wouldn't. He has not played at a Pro Bowl level consistently this year. But he keeps playing like he's played these last two games. Yeah, on the stretch. No, again, then he's right back in the the mix of the one of the best in the league. I think Zach has a lot. Has Zach's a lock. Tyron has a chance. Zeke is probably a lock. I mean, you've got Zeke and Gurley in the NFC. Three. Who else is uh, playing at that level? Kamara. Yeah, Kamara's <laughs> playing like a freaking he stud. Is. He is. And he did um, that for the first half of the season. Or at least the first three. four weeks of the Saquon. season without the other one. Yeah, Zeke's got some tough competition. But right now, Zeke is second in the league in rushing. Yeah. I think he gets in but because between of... Between Gurley and Kamara, one of them will be in the Super Bowl. I think so. Yeah. He's... Zeke's going to the Pro Bowl. Zeke, There's Zach, no doubt Zeke's Zeke, Zach, and Tyron on offense. And then on defense, I would guess... Uh, D Law, if he if he has a strong going, if he has yeah. a strong second half, he'll be in. And then Vanderesh and Jalen are probably your next best. Byron's having an amazing yeah. season. Byron's but he, he doesn't have about. he doesn't, he doesn't have, have picks. picks. He doesn't, he doesn't have, have picks. picks. Let me throw this out though, and I actually wanted to go to D Law next, but uh, when you look at D Law's stats, he has six and a half sacks right now. That ranks him seventeenth in the league. And when you're talking about defensive ends, oftentimes people look at who's leading in sacks. He's all the way down at 17th. Okay. Do you think that matters for that? And how much do you think that complicates? I know that we don't think it changes because he plays. Su- he is such a vital role when it comes to this defense and what he does in the run game and everything else. But do you think that that number, six and a half, and if he at the end of the season is still ranked 17th, does that change the conversation as far as the negotiation of his contract is concerned when the offseason gets Well, here? maybe, but, you know, Let's talk about from a Pro Bowl standpoint. That's not really that far off from a Pro Bowl. I mean, you think it is, but but let's just say I don't know what that number looks. Let's just say half are in the AFC, half are in the NFC. Now you're sitting and now he's seventh or eighth. Some of those guys could be defensive tackles, so that, you know this or, the, or linebackers. So they're kind of out of it too. So he really might not be that far off from a Pro Bowl standpoint. Point. Now, as you're, um, what you're talking about from a contract, and and I think with him. It's kind of an eye test type thing, too. I mean, he's still making plays. He's making significant yeah. plays. And he has become a leader, which I have so much respect for the way he's handled this year. And I'm not talking about what's going on in Pittsburgh because I don't know that. I just know what's happening here. He's like, yes, I'm signing this franchise deal. I'm going to play. And not only that, he hasn't acted like a guy that's on a one-year deal. He's acted like he is the leader of this defense. Came up with a nickname for him and all that. I, I can't. I can't. I speak volumes for what he's done there, and I think the Cowboys have seen it too. I have a couple thoughts there. One, I and I haven't looked at the stats. I should. Uh, I'm surprised that he's so far down. Nick makes a good point. Maybe it's linebackers or defensive tackles because what he's on pace for. Like if he's got six and a half now, he's on pace for twelve. Right, Twelve. 12 yeah. He only had um, only he had fourteen and a half <laughs> yeah. last year and was second in the league. So that I mean, so many guys are on a better pace than him. That's kind of surprising. Um, the other, so I still think he'll make the pro bowl if he has a strong second half shame on the Cowboys. If the stack tally, I mean, obvious, like that'll come into play. Like, cause, cause negotiations are negotiations. Sure. But shame on them. If they're like, Oh, I don't know. He's, he's not getting as many sacks. Cause like turn on the tape. 
and yeah. nobody should be watching the tape more so than the guys charged with signing. I mean, right. how many? Brian writes about it every week. The guy's amazing in run defense. He mm-hmm. takes on yes. double teams and opens things up for other guys. Anytime somebody has a tackle for loss, uh, case the the fourth down stuff. Jordan Lewis and Jalen Smith. They had that opening because Demarcus Lawrence just mauled the right half of the line. Uh, stuff like that, and he's still getting sacks. His shoulder's definitely bothering him, regardless. Mm-hmm. He's of what doing he all says. this with a bum shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and yeah, I mean the 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 character stuff. Like he he is the leader of this defense. He has. I I could go on for an hour about how much I think the Cowboys need to re-sign him and how much he deserves it. Uh, so if you want to quibble about sack totals when it comes to like the guaranteed language, sure, but. If he only has nine sacks this year and the Cowboys think that's a good reason to try not to resign him, shame on them. Oh, Big time. You know, th- yesterday we talked about the five plays. Don't forget about these five. And I kind of got put on the spot and I forgot some of them. I just remembered one because and we talked about run defense. Eagles had first and 10 on the 11-yard line, down 13-3. to three. They're trying to drive, get back in this. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was a first and 10 on the 11. And we always talk about how tough that is to score when you get down there. First down, three-yard loss because Demarcus Lawrence shot in the gap there and made the huge play. That put them back on the 14. They tried some hitch and pitch and didn't get it and ended up kicking a field goal. I mean, that was a really big play. But but Lawrence, his run-stopping ability is so underrated. And just like it was for D. Ware. D. Ware was a good run-stopper. And, and I think Demarcus Lawrence is as well. And that's what makes him such a well-rounded player. All right, let's take a uh, call real quick. We have a call from Travis in California. Travis, what up? Oh, no, this is Logan. Oh, Logan. Sorry, okay. Logan. How are you? <laughs> That's okay. And I just wanted to say how much I appreciate you guys. You know, I'm on the road all day for work, so I listen to you guys a lot. And Thank so you. I really appreciate it. Appreciate um, but basically what I wanted to say was I think the one thing that this team is missing, on, especially on the offensive line, is Ronald Leary. I think he was like – he was just that guy. I, I mean, I've seen him in 2016, 2014, 2015. Or, no, he wasn't there in 2015. Sorry. Um but I've seen him take on blockers with one hand and another block. He blocked another guy with another hand. And it's like they just missed that big-bodied guy. And I think that's what Big 76 did for them in this last game. And I think, honestly, right now, uh, to win these next games, I think they, they need to leave. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Suofilo. Suofilo. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think they need to leave him in there. And uh, – I think that would just be really good for the offensive line because I think that interior needs to be big and strong, and I think it needs to stay that way. And I think Connor Williams needs another offseason to uh, to just get some some strength training in there. All right. Thanks for the call. I don't think I could Can, disagree with anything that he just said. I agree. Let me throw out this stat real quick. I noticed this stat when I was doing some uh, some research this morning. This year, the Cowboys, um, and this, this was gauging uh, Cowboys' level of success on short yardage on the left – up the middle, and to the right, okay? Um, and listen to these numbers. 87% of the time when they run up the middle on, on, on second, I'm sorry, on third or fourth and two or shorter, they have converted 87% of the time when they run up the middle, all right? When they run to the right, they've converted 71% of the time. When they run to the left, they've only converted 50% of the time. Mm. That's a pretty big indictment on, especially knowing that you've got an all-pro there at tackle, yeah. The fact that going to your left on short yardage when you really just need to power ahead and, and try to pick up yards, they are only 50% on short yardage. A couple, couple of things about those stats. Number the middle one, is obviously. Mid- middle's yes, yes, out, because I I, in my opinion, because a lot of that is Dak um, up the middle. But you got to factor that in from the standpoint of 
do that more often. Yeah. Right? If right. you know that that's a gimme, True. do it more often. But go ahead. Now, uh, the Cowboys are, like most teams, they play right-handed where their tight end is on the right side a lot. So I think they, you know, they try to do that more. But you're still talking about percentages, which yeah. – you know that's that's kind of alarming. I don't think they do it as much, but even when they do, that's probably why it's at fifty percent. And you wouldn't think Tyron is the weak link there, so that's that's good to know. And, and I and I saw a lot of sweeps there with him. Suafilo, as strong as he is, he's still kind of pretty mobile as well. I I agree with what the caller said. I I think that they will do that, and I agree that Ron Leary has been. I think I was one that was like I would resign you him. You were the president of his fan. I really I I because I like that strength. I think as good as Lyle Collins has become, I think his rookie year they struggled there just to get that push. When Leary came back, it, it changed. Zeke helped too, but you know for the most part. But I I do like uh, Suafilo. They don't want to hurt Connor Williams' confidence in any way. But I guarantee if they run the ball well again in Atlanta, I don't think you're going to be seeing the change. Well, that and I said this yesterday, but I think it's I think it's huge. Like if if Connor Williams was ready to go today and you had to make this call, that gives me pause. But I really don't think you have to. I'll be I'll be surprised if Connor's ready to come off of a knee procedure in ten days. Um, so I I say. Give Suofilo another go, and if it looks as great as it did last week, then you've got yourself a trend. And you're, I, you know, sorry, Connor, hot hand theory. It's you know he's not a top ten pick; he's the second round pick, and I don't think it, you're hurting anybody. Another fun little fact: I get this shouldn't surprise me. Um, we talked about it yesterday. Xavier Suofilo's thirty third overall pick very much falls in line with what the Cowboys have done over the years, you know, bring in a talented guy, see if we can, especially on the offensive line, Jonathan Cooper comes to mind. He's on a two-year deal. So this year and next year, if this works out, uh, then you've got yourself some fantastic depth going into next season because obviously Connor Williams is going to be a part of this thing going forward, but it's a nice problem to have. What do you think Suofilo's other position would be? Let's say he is a backup. Is he just a guard? Is he just like – or do you think he's got some center? I have no idea oh, yeah. if he has any flex. But what about Connor Williams at center? Uh, Don't have to work on it. He needs to eat like nine thousand cheeseburgers. Yeah. Well, he's got. Does he? He's playing guard. He's light. I think he's light for guard, and I think he's, at center you kind of want a guy that's you got to be like unmovable to play center, don't you? I mean, well, you have to I don't know. There, well, there's, that yeah, too, there's some but, centers that have been small here particularly that have been okay and seems like he has a center's build to me now he's gonna have to work on technique and then that changes everything he hasn't been doing that yeah he's been he was a tackle throughout college the saints the saints worked him out at center at his pro day really yeah he's i believe i i believe we talked about him possibly having the flex to play all five positions it doesn't you know zach martin's the same way but zach martin is way way better than everybody so I don't know, but I I like where your head's at because again, you know, I don't even like talking about it because it's such an unfortunate situation. But you gotta have a, at least a thought on what your contingency plans are at center for next year if if Travis Frederick doesn't recover the way you want him yeah, to. No doubt. All right, let's take our final break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about some of these stats. Also, you guys give us a call. The number is eight 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 five five two two nine seven. We want to get some fan calls. Again, it's eight 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 five five two two nine seven. We'll be right back. This is the break. While a player could look good on paper, it's when he's out on the field that you really find out what he's made of. That's why the Cowboys rely on more than just stats and scouting reports when building their team. 
When picking a tractor, it's why you should rely on more than just specs and features. You've got to take it out and put it to the test. The Cowboys did when they named John Deere their official tractor. Experience one for yourself. Visit myjohndeeredealer.com slash football. It's time for tailgate with the Otterbox boys. Otterbox? The makers of those crazy protective phone cases? The one and only. They're also wild about protecting parking lot parties from sad drinks. It's why they made Elevation Tumblers. Rumor around the Crock-Pot is they're made from stainless steel with a copper lining to keep temps hot or cold. True. They even come in seven different sizes, up to 64 ounce the growler. Hmm. I like how Otterbox drinks. I mean, thanks. And that's been tailgating with the Otterbox boys. Check out all the colors and sizes of their Elevation Tumblers at otterbox.com. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Playmaker, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The Playmaker includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm and a Cowboys can cooler. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word COWBOYS. The Jack Black Playmaker, 10 bucks, free shipping. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. A man's Stetson doesn't just protect him from life's elements. It projects an unstoppable and legendary spirit, just like the men wearing silver and navy on the field every Sunday. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. They are still the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find Stetson hats in the pro shop or at Stetson.com today. To the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Um, we're gonna get some calls. 888-855-2297 is the number. But before we do that, Dick, tell us a little bit about Tommy John. Well, Tommy John, it's we talk about adjustment all the time. The Cowboys, I thought, made a good adjustment to finally win a road game. And the thing about Tommy John is they pride themselves on not having to adjust, not having to sit there and be uncomfortable and have to twitch around. No halftime adjustment. No, no halftime adjustment for them because they have the best underwear you're ever going to feel. You don't even know you've got anything on. That's what's so great about it. Tommyjohn.com forward slash Cowboys. You're going to get your first 20% off off of your first order. Tommy John. All right. Go check that out. All right. Let's get back to it. We got a call from Adam in Atlanta. Adam, what up? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. How are you? Got your tickets? Good. I do. I'm going Sunday. I love. I'm doing the Star Tours Q and A with Mickey on Saturday. I oh. love a chance to meet you guys if possible. All right. So, Dave will not be there. He'll be out partying. But the rest of us uh, may drop by. All depends what LSU is doing. We're only we're playing Rice, so you just give. You're not that kind of fan, though. You're going to be. You went last year, sure, but not as intently. Yeah, I went to last year's team, so hopefully it'll be a little better turnout. And that was a massacre. Yeah, that my friends here have not let me forget. All right. Uh, um, uh, first thing, Tommy John's best thing has ever happened in my wardrobe. Yeah, just there. saying. We did not and, pay uh, him to say that. <laughs> you did not. And uh, so, second thing, I have a question. After watching that game, great win on Sunday night, but after watching that, one thing I've noticed, and I went back to look at the All-22, is that 
I don't see receivers coming back for the ball when Dak's in a scramble drill. And I see other teams around the league perfect that, like especially Green Bay. Is that something that they're not coaching in Dallas? I mean, I just, you know, he's out scrambling. You just I want to see these receivers come up for the ball and give him a chance, you know, help the quarterback. I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's all Alan Hearns does. So, I mean, I, <laughs> were you I, saying it in a backhanded kind of no, way? No, I mean, I, okay. I feel like a lot of his catches are, are like that. I mean, yeah. they're just kind of coming back there. I haven't really noticed that, but but that Cole Beasley is another guy that has been really good at that over the years. I mean, I'll be which, shocked if they're not doing it though, right? I mean, every team that's you learn that in in when you first start playing football as a receiver. I would be shocked if they're not if they don't know what to do in a scramble drill. Like you you work on that. That's a yeah, part no, of just being a receiver. I I would like to go back and look at the. I have not watched any well, all twenty two from this game. I'd like to look at it. I mean. I, he's probably right. Maybe there's a scenario where they could have or didn't. I don't know. But saw what as a, go ahead. Just yeah. as a general, as a general theme for the season, I think I think they are. I saw where Amari Cooper was going on the scramble drill. He was going to the house. Yeah, he on, was on one play. And it looked um, like it might have been successful, but I would have liked uh, to seen him make that throw. Yeah, that's the other. Th- I that remi- you know there was a scramble play in that game. I'm not going to name names, but <laughs> somebody in the press box with me was like beside himself. Because I think it, I didn't name names, and I'm not, I'm, I will neither confirm nor deny. Um, I think it was Beasley was scrambling in the middle of the field, and Dak is like five feet from the sideline, and somebody was just beside him or herself that he didn't throw. I was like, that's not how football works. Like, just because the guy's alone and the play's broken down, like, Dak would have had to throw that across his body, moving against his motion through the middle of the field, like odds are. Which is also what coaches tell you never to do because you can't see that guy that's kind of odds a are robber coming across. That ball's going to the house if you yeah. throw it. Which So I don't know. I think his name was Adam. I don't know what play he's talking about. Probably wasn't that one. But a lot of times, just because a guy looks like he's got some space in a situation like that doesn't mean it's a smart throw. Boy, I wonder who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I got no names. Doesn't this, you know, no snitches get stitches. We're not going to put anybody out there. Yeah, I'm not trying to put people on the streets. All right, let's get back into some of these stats. Here was another one I thought was kind of interesting. Cowboys right now are ranked 29th in the league, sacks allowed. That's a really, really big number. They've given up 32. Do you think that maybe that's the cause for the regression that that I think you guys think uh, that Dak has had this year. Do you think it's more because of the fact that he's getting so much pressure, he's being sacked so much, that he's not being able to make the right reads all the time and get the ball where it needs to go? I hope I hope you're – I'm not sure your microphone's working, so I'm just going to relay it for – and he got dropped out? I, I can't hear you, yeah. But Derek's asking us you – know, on the off chance that you can't hear him, Derek's asking that the Cowboys O-line has given up 29 sacks to this point in the season, and do we think – that that plays a role in his seeming regression, which absolutely I do. Yeah. Um, I absolutely think that pass protection, especially when this team hasn't had a lead, has definitely been an issue. Um, you know, it's like NASCAR. It's like a pit crew. It is like Kent, Kent's the goat. He's the MVP. Um, Sorry. No, you're good. Um, I don't. I, I, I do. I agree with that. I mean, I, I think it has been. It's too much. It's way too much. Twenty nine. He took thirty two his entire rookie year, and I think only it was something. It was like thirty five for all of last year. Like for all we talked about the problems last year, uh, it still wasn't that bad. So I do think, and it's it's an issue. Um, love him to death. Lyle Collins has has not had an awesome season in pass pro. I think 
Connor Williams has been part of that. Tyron Smith has slipped a little bit. I think Jason Witten is a big part of that, too. I think when you have – and even Des Bryant, because what Des was was doing was, was a guy that you kind of trusted on 50-50 balls. Now, he didn't have a good season last year, but he did the year before. Jason Witten, same thing. Who's the guy that you kind of bail out and throw it to? Um, and they're not open. They're not there, and therefore you're taking more sacks. I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but I wouldn't rule out that those – those guys that were always, you know, trustworthy for the quarterbacks aren't there, and then he's still trying to figure out who's this tight end that he can dump it off to. I will also say too is I don't want to say stats lie because getting your quarterback sacked is never good, but I mean he got sacked four times on Sunday. It didn't really disrupt the flow of the offense. So, you know, as Dak with some of that is you know Dak extending plays that he shouldn't, or you know fighting when he doesn't need to, or maybe running into pressure. I think you know Michael Bennett murdered him. You could call out play calling for that one. Just you know a first down bootleg. It's kind of a tendency of theirs, and it's a thing that can get taken advantage of. So I don't want to put it all on the offensive line. And also, I think it's encouraging that they took four sacks in that game and we're still able to have a really good offensive night which has not been the case in so many games this year. I want year. to talk a little bit about well two things. Number one about the sacks. Uh he took a sack after Zeke's hurdle, then they kind of went backwards. He ran a couple of plays and then ended up taking a sack and you're like, "Ah, oh, you can't take a sack there." Well, go back to the Tennessee game when he's forcing it to Amari Cooper, you would love for him to take a sack there mm-hmm. and you still have a chance to get three points out on the board. But that's that play Michael Bennett made that almost you know, took his head off. That's a big play when you're thinking about big picture. Because what Philadelphia was show, was saying is, we we will let you do a play action there. I'm not worried about the defensive end going in because I got Fletcher Cox, I got uh, Haloti Nota in there or Nada. They will make the plays. Not worried about that. That's fine. So when you do a play action, you're there. You make the play. But a lot of times when there is a run. And then we saw that later in the game, they're trusting their tackles and linebackers to go make the play, and they're not, you know, uh, forcing themselves down into the play. That's where they start running the ball. So you can do that, and you sometimes you're going to win. But as we saw later in the game, they didn't win when those guys got blocked. They didn't have the extra help. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, real quick, we got a couple seconds here. <laughs> Let's go to a call real fast Ooh. from Rick in Missouri. Rick, what up? Uh, yeah, just real quickly, uh, happy with Amari Cooper. He's made a huge impact on the game overall, I think. Uh, not just stats, but it is good to see the stats work. Uh, but the one thing I wanted to ask about was uh, uh, on officiating, these downfield blocks before the p- pass is made is driving me nuts. It happened uh, in, against the Cowboys. I remember uh, a game against the, with the Steelers on their key touchdown drive at the end of the game. Uh, particularly against the Eagles, the center in a late possession and uh, the Eagles scored on, the center was like five years, yards downfield, engaged in a block on the linebacker, and then you see the ball pass through the screen to the receiver. It's nuts. They're not calling it. I do not understand the inconsistency of that rule. I really don't. I mean, there's times I've seen it called. I, I, the Cowboys had one earlier this year where they had a guy blocking way down the field already. I don't, I don't really understand the rule there of, on when you can do that and block before the ball's thrown and when you can't. Uh, I agree with you. I'm a little bit perplexed on that one. I mean, you see pick plays every single Sunday around the NFL if mm. you watch football. Yeah. It happens in every game. It happens on both sides. So, you I'm not know, just talking as much about as... the picks. I'm talking about those wide receiver bubble screens when they're already blocking the guy. and the, I, I, just, I don't really know it. Yeah. yeah, it's a that's a bang bang play. It's probably tough for the and and crews call it differently as we saw. There's some crew would have come in here and probably called 
20 penalties in the game. Instead, they only called five. And is the block egregious enough or noticeable enough, you know, yeah. that in the flow of the game? You, yeah, I mean. It's a, it's a tough play. Good observation. Yep. Inconsistent across the board. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. We'll have more. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of talk on the upcoming game. Cowboys uh, face the – why am I drawing a blank on that? Who are they playing next week? Houston, I'm sorry, not Houston. Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. We'll get into Atlanta. We'll talk about Atlanta's offense tomorrow. Best part of their team. Uh, Dave will give us his scouting report. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about-